Just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're our teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over again. Monday, June 19th. 2023, you are at com. How you doing, kids? Uh, vocal troubles are getting a teensy bit better as late as last night. I still was like, I'm going to lose my voice right in the middle of the goddamn show. But uh, we've held on here, and it, uh, it seems like maybe it's getting a little better. Again, this is all fallout and the aftermath from the kidney stone attack, which put me in the hospital for almost well, almost five days. And, uh, you know, the medication, that steroid stuff will scrub your voice, scrub a lot of other things, too. Anyhow, a good podcast for you here today. We've got some really great stuff to play for you, including our conversation with Robin Taylor Zander. Now, when I was a kid in college and young adulthood, I had to drive all over the place in north central Illinois, and a lot of that was on the toll roads up there and you uh back in those days you had to have change with you all the time you had to have 30 cents and you would wait in line and you would pull up and there was a little basket on the front of the machine and you would do a bank shot off the back of the thing right into the basket your 30 cents would go in the gate would go up and off you'd go well in the place where that little bank shot is or was all those toll booths are gone now but they went around and there was you could not find one of those toll booth baskets anywhere 
anywhere in North Central Illinois that did not have a cheap trick bumper sticker right on that little basket. It was incredible. One of the best guerrilla level warfare uh, publicity type deals I think I've ever seen. It was just amazing. Robin has been filling in for various guys in the band. He plays pretty much every musical instrument and now he's got his own band and a hit song and a hit album and he's doing great. So we're going to talk to him and we're going to start with the David Freeze thing. So this story broke over the weekend, and my guess is that everybody is talking it to death already. Maybe I'll say something or make an observation here or tell you a piece of information that you weren't aware of and that you won't get from the other guys, because frankly, there's a bunch of amateurs out there, and I'm a little better connected than they are. And so when stuff like this happens... You have to start asking lots of questions to lots of different people and try to see if you can piece the whole thing together as to what's going on. And these other people who are on the air, many of them have only been in town for, what, hours, okay? And uh, they just don't know about this stuff. Anyway, let's get to it. So Cardinals Hall of Fame does this uh, big poll every year, and they put some names on the ballot. They say, vote for somebody that you think should be wearing that red jacket down on the field on opening day. And lo and behold, the name that comes up this year is the winner, David Freeze. We didn't find out that he was the choice until over the weekend, David Freeze decided to reject the honor and turn down the award. Now, a couple of things you got to know about David Freeze. Very decent man, alcoholic. Most people are not aware of the fact that when he finally did get arrested for his DUI, it had been something like his sixth or seventh time that he was stopped for DUI, and the police out there weren't really doing him any favors or anybody else any favors by not ringing him up. And it would have been a really, really sad story if it had happened while he was still playing ball and everything. But you know what? People who get behind the wheel of a car when they're drunk kill people, innocent people. There also seems to be some uh, depression going on inside of his life, and uh Perhaps not the happiest man right now, and I mean this as sincerely as I can possibly make it. God, I mean, we really hope that he gets his life together and can live a very healthy, uh, physically and mentally healthy, productive life. We like you, David. We like you so much that we voted you in for this thing, but you said, I, I don't really think I'm worthy of it, so I'm going to be as respectful as I can be in declining this whole thing, I don't think I belong in a red jacket down on the field with those other guys. That's I just don't think that's me, and, and I wouldn't feel right about it. And you know what? I mean, when it first hit me, and when it first hit a lot of people, I think the people's initial reaction was, get pissed off. But then after you think about it for five or ten minutes, you know, like, I mean, for most people, you come to the conclusion that, you know, this is actually a pretty noble act on his part and there's you know still some cement heads out there who are going to act like they weren't picked for homecoming king or queen in high school act all upset so i think it's a dead issue i think the guy had his reasons i think we know what a lot of those reasons are there's probably more we don't know about and for god's sakes take the guy at his word look you know look into his heart if you were a big enough Cardinal fan and a David Freeze fan to, you know, vote him in, then you must think he's a pretty good guy in addition to being a good ball player, but a good guy. All right. He's still a good guy. He just wouldn't feel right about it. Dead 
issue. All right, you got to love this guy. Again, the wrong way to get your name in the paper. A 42-year-old guy by the name of Gerald Hopkins walked into a schnooks in the city over the weekend, threatened the manager with a staple gun. He stole one bag of dog food, and he fled the scene on a bike. The manager saw him walking out with the dog food, stopped him at the door, but Gerald refused to give it back, and he claimed he had a gun, which he did. It was really just a staple gun wrapped in electrical tape, but he pulled it out, threatened to shoot the manager, and it looked real enough, so they let him go. They watched him ride off on the bike. Cops caught up with him. They found the staple They found the staple gun and the dog food in his backpack. He's facing serious charges and serious jail time. That's a Class A felony. He could get 10 to 30 years. He could even get life robbing the place with a staple gun. Stop or I'll collate. All right, this whole AI thing, artificial intelligence, people are vacillating between nervous laughter and just sheer terror. When I saw this on CNN, I think it was on Friday after the show, I was like, well, we're grabbing this and we're playing this on the podcast. This runs about two and a half minutes. It's terrifying. So I promised wacky and terrifying. So here you go. 42% of CEOs at a Yale summit said AI, artificial intelligence, could destroy humanity in five to 10 years. Yes, I did say destroy humanity. In the poll shared exclusively with CNN, 119 CEOs were surveyed from different companies, including the leaders of Walmart, Xerox, manufacturing, and other industries. So let's dig deeper on this because <laughs> apparently our lives are at stake and time is a wasting. Joining me now is our senior data reporter, Harry And Harry, look, we've done a lot of polling segments together, and normally I would say, hey, you know, not being destroyed all of humanity in 10 years is leading outside the margin of error, but that's not good enough here. 42% say we're going down soon. <laughs> Any other polls say this? Yeah, oy vey, I saw this poll. I couldn't believe it, but then it turns out there's a study that came out last year that which they pulled a bunch of AI experts and basically they asked the question you know do you believe that AI could lead to a nuclear level disaster in the next century and what they found was 36 percent of them agreed with this agreed with this John although perhaps the good news is only 16 percent strongly agreed with it these numbers are all awful if it's like two percent it's bad but you're getting 30s and 40s here of allegedly smart people saying we're in big trouble yeah that it it is it is scary to me but at least we get to spend our final moments together john (laughs) i'm not so sure i agree with you on that listen have there been moments like this before where people had the same like dark views of technology yeah i mean remember y2k i was a young boy back then you were perhaps my age uh, my age now back then but you know, there was all this worry, okay, there's going to be a computer bug. Could it lead to, you know, a nuclear level disaster, a defense disaster? And you know what the polling found back in 1998 was that nearly a third of Americans agreed that that was likely. Nearly a third. And of course, we got past Y2K perfectly okay. But that polling then looks a lot like the polling now. So you know what I say? Yes, there's all these bad numbers, but let's hold up our britches. Let's not run ahead of them. Uh, we've seen polling like this before, so let's see what actually happens going I mean, Destruction forward. of humanity still scares me when it's 42%. So when we talk about AI, I know in my head, I frankly think of the Terminator. Is that a reasonable thing to have conjured in your head? Yeah, so, you know, I let me just say, the Terminator scared the ever-loving crud out of me when I was a kid. I had to see many psychologists because I saw it when I was eight years old. Um, but here's what I will note. What is so interesting to me is that James Cameron is working on a new Terminator script. And it turns out that he is not going to finish that script until he finds out the future of AI. So the man who created the bad images of AR in our heads is now worried about the current AI. And perhaps that, to me, 
is the scariest thing of all. Better hurry up. He may only have five to ten years. Harry Etten, thank you for being with us for now. See what I mean? People are using it as a defense mechanism, the laughter and just silliness, because if you really pay attention to the data, and it's hard not to, we're looking at uh, you know extinction in five to ten years, at least according to those CEOs. And I and I know, I know there are people like, oh, you know, Jesus, JC, you know, every week somebody comes up with a new thing talking about how, you know, an asteroid is going to almost hit us or this is going to happen or that's going to happen or COVID's going to come back or the bird flu. I, I know I, I'm with you, but that stuff right there, that's hard to ignore, especially on a Monday. <laughs> Monday. I want you to want me. This wouldn't be Robin Taylor Zander, would it? Yes, sir, it would be. Robin, how old were you when you began as a little kid to understand that daddy was a little different than the other dads? Um, probably in grade school when we had our, our parents come and uh, do the, the Great American Teaching. Um, he came in and, and brought his guitar and, and told everyone what he did. And, and then when, you know, everyone else went to their dads and, and, and mothers and stuff, you know, it was like, uh, well, they they work for a, a law firm or they're an accountant or they're a dentist. So then I realized, oh, so this isn't like a common occurrence, you know. So that's probably when I first realized. Kids are mean. Did you have trouble as a kid at all with, uh, shall we say, certain people who made trouble for you because they were jealous Oh, um, not really. I mean, uh, I mean, you, you have to kind of deal with that in general in life, but, uh, to the most part, you know, for the most part, no, I think I had a pretty easy upbringing. Um, my dad was actually out of town for half the year when I was growing up. So, um, I was mostly at home with my mom and sister and, um, you know, during the summers when I was off school, I was able to go hang out with dad and, um, it just felt like kind of a normal kind of thing for me. I, I didn't really get anybody who was too jealous or anything like that so you never really considered doing anything else for a living did you no when i was a kid i you know grew up watching um cheap trick play uh you know live and there's such a great live band it would kind of it was kind of built into me that i'd want to perform music in some way shape or form so um i i knew from an early age that that was what i was going to be and what i was going to do that was the whole thing cheap trick always said we're going to be the best live band you must have picked up on that at a very early age. And how has that sort of translated into what you're doing, not only contributing to Cheap Trick, but also your solo career? Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm definitely um, I'm aware that, they, that they're a really good live band just because I grew up around it. And um, that kind of inspired uh, my musical upbringing because uh, you don't get a chance to see a band like that go night after night play you know, in front of those people and do it so well. And they've been doing it since 1974, you know, and, and they have three of the four original members still in the band. So, um, you know, that's pretty rare. I, I definitely was, uh, I don't take it for granted that I, I was able to soak that all up as a kid. Um, definitely influenced my um, current musical upbringing. I want to talk about your new album, The Distance. We're playing high and low and probably going to get to some other stuff here on K-Wolf. The uh, inspiration you've talked about is... Uh, a little bit of Beach Boys, a little bit of Beatles, a little bit of the Bee Gees. i got to be careful how I say this. Your music can be very, very pretty, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it seems to be something that is getting lost on some of the new music bands that are out there right now. Like, you got to do something else than really, really make music that is really enjoyable to listen to. Just talk about those inspirations. I mean, this if Brian Wilson 
put his name on high and low, nobody would question it. That's how strong that influence is. Just talk about all that for a minute. Oh, well, I, I love I love Brian Wilson. I, I mean, that's one of my main influences growing up as a kid. Um, getting Digging into my parents' record collection, I, I listened to a lot of British Invasion. I listened to a lot of Beatles and uh, the Kinks and the Who and the Rolling Stones. I listened to a lot of Beach Boys. Um, so you can hear that in the record for sure. Um, stuff like High and Low, very strong uh, vocal melodies that, you know, they kind of harken back to that era of uh, music. So I, it's not really intentional. It's just kind of what I listened to at the time. And a lot of these songs are just born from that inspiration. So, um, yeah, I've, I mean, that's a huge compliment. I love, I love Brian Wilson. Speaking of all that, what's the significance of the title of the album, The Distance? Well, it's really not significant. It was just the title of, uh, of one of the songs. And quite simply, it sounded like a good title for a record. And, um, <laughs> the guy, that, that was pretty much it. it. It doesn't have a meaning, really, other than what the song means. Um, but, you know, the, the idea came from me and the co-producer, who's uh, Kenny Siegel. Um, he runs a studio called Old Soul Studios in Catskill, New York. And so we went up there for about a month and um, we tracked everything, uh, started with, you know, piano or guitar on every song and then kind of just layered everything from there. I play all the instruments, uh, drums, bass, piano, all the vocals are me. So it's very much a representation of what, um, what I'm into. And by the way, that brings up an interesting point because you've been filling in for Rick Nielsen, filling all, all different places in Cheap Trick because you can play everything. And so somebody gets sick, somebody's got a cold, somebody's got the flu, whatever, and you, know, you don't want to cancel the tour, you don't want to uh, you know, cancel any of the shows, and in slides Robin Taylor Zander, yeah, I can play drums, yeah, I can do this, I can do that. I mean, that must have been really fun. Well, that's how I first started playing with them in the first place was uh, back in in 2017, uh, the drummer Dax was having his first kid with his wife, and so uh, they asked if I could fill in on drums, and that was uh, November 2017, and after that, when Dax came back, I uh, was asked to st stick around, basically, and be a permanent member of the touring band and play rhythm guitar and background vocals. So that's my official um, job title. But yeah, I've uh, filled in for everyone except for my dad. I filled in for Tom when he had heart surgery in, in uh, 2021. I filled in for Rick when he was sick last year for a couple months. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've pretty much played every position. Now, I want to tell you something that I don't know if you're aware of this or not. But, you know, when I was working and living in northern Illinois in the upper Midwest, and, you know, this was uh, in the 70s. And Cheap Trick was just sort of coming out into the music scene. And anybody who spent time driving around in northern Illinois knows that you have a lot of toll roads. And back then, the toll roads, you had toll booth baskets. And you would take your 30 cents and just shoot it into the basket. Now it's all different. But back then, you needed to have you know a quarter and a nickel and boom, and you would toss it in and then keep driving. Somebody with the band, I don't know if it was an enthusiast or somebody actually with the band, there was not a toll booth basket in all of north central Illinois that did not have a cheap trick 
sticker on that basket. So you would <laughs> you would take your thirty cents and literally do a bank shot off of the cheap trick bumper sticker, which was above the basket where the money then goes down. Were you even aware of that? I bring it up because you know it's one thing to be a musician to make some good music, but then you got to get out there and you got to sell it. And now, obviously, we live in the internet era and social media and everything like that. The job, the job is taken on so many different dimensions how do you handle all that well that i've never heard of that one but that's i'm gonna have to ask my dad about that please that do please do people that must have been people in the management or uh, even the band maybe doing that on the road it was one of the great guerrilla level campaigns for a band that i've ever seen i'm telling you Rami, you could not find a toll booth that didn't have a cheap trick sticker on the basket that's amazing that's great there's still people that do that uh up-and-coming artists you know there's people that put they put their uh their band posters for their their gig they're playing and um they 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 paste them up on uh on walls and bulletin boards and and light posts i mean that's still the gorilla way of promoting a band is still alive and well so but yeah I, i love that story it's great all right so what's uh in store for for Robin Taylor Xander for the summer of 2023. So um, we're doing uh, Cheap Tricks, doing a bunch of dates with Rod Stewart. And um, in between those dates, when I have days off, I'll be doing some gigs with my band. It'll just be called Robin Taylor Xander. And uh, we're going to be doing some dates in the South, um, up in the Northeast, hopefully in the Midwest. And um, if you go onto my website, robintaylorxander.com, we'll have all that info um, in real time posted so everyone can check out and see when I'll be out next. You're enjoying life right now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I've always, um, always enjoying um, the touring and uh, just anything with music for me is uh, is a good day. You know, I, when I'm off the road, I'm at home, I, I record in a, a studio, music studio, and uh, I I just love music, man. Any time that I'm even talking about it, I'm, I'm into it. And finally, somebody downloads your music and they plug in their headphones and they say, I'm going to really give this a good listen. And I really think that your music really helps if you're listening with some earbuds or headphones on because there's so many rich textures and harmonies and everything. And you guys have really, really got this down. What do you want them to think? What do you want them to feel? What are you trying to say with the album, The Distance? Um, it's just an honest representation of uh, where my head's been at the past few years and um, the influences that I, I grew up on. You can really hear on this record. It's my first ever release, you know. So a lot of these songs have been living for a few years, you know. Some more so than others. Some have been in my head for almost ten years. So um, it's much as much of a release for me to get it out in a relief than anything else. Um, you know, it's just like anything else as an artist, you want to get your work out um, to the masses to get some sort of reaction. And um, I'm just happy that it's finally out there. Robin Taylor Xander, you are on the launch pad. Let me tell you, this is uh, this is really getting ready to take off for you. The album is called The Distance, High and Low. What Am I to Do is another great track from the album. The title track is great, and you'll be hearing all those on K-Wolf as we continue to unveil the music of Mr. Robin Taylor Zander with the album The Distance. Robin, it was a pleasure talking to you. Best of luck to you, and uh, I'm sure we're going to run into each other down the line. Thanks very much. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me.
is the story How can you tell me that this is the story How can you tell me that this is the story Great guy. I got his phone number. It turns out at our Florida home, we're about 15 minutes away from where he lives. We're supposed to get together sometime soon. If we go to lunch, he's paying, <laughs> right? Because he's cleaning up right now. All right, birthdays today, Paul Dano. I was saying Dano for the longest time. I thought it was correct. Turns out it's Dano from uh, Batman. And, you know, he played the Riddler. He's also Brian Wilson in Love and Mercy. He's 39 today. Zoe Saldana, 45. Mia Sarah, remember Sloan, Ferris Bueller's girlfriend in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? She's 56 today. Paula Abdul, she is forever your girl, you know, 61. Kathleen Turner, what the hell happened with her? You know, the pride of Springfield, Missouri, just, you know, the hottest thing in show business for a couple of years there and just gone. Not the easiest person to work with from what I gather. She's 69 today. Ann Wilson of Heart, one of my favorite people on earth, is 73. Felicia Rashad, 75. Salman Rushdie, man, they fucked him up, didn't they? He's 76 today. Marion Barry. They started his trial in Washington, D.C. on the state back in 1990. And a story that leaves me with more questions than answers. 21 years ago, the year was 2002, Marilyn Manson gets off with only a $4,000 fine after pleading no contest to rubbing his genitalia on a security guard's bald head. Now... You're like me. You're without the details on this story. You put it together and tell me how something like that could have happened. It was on the state 1986. We had a pretty big show that day. The star of Dance Fever. St. Louis's own Janet Jones was in the studio with us. She would go on to marry the great one, Wayne Gretzky. You imagine the first time that for whatever reason, like he was tired or you know had too much to drink and he disappointed her in bed you imagine that oh yeah oh yeah the great one and also on that date comedian kip adada who you know as the star of the song wet dream all in the studio with us on this date back in 1986 it turns out the united states ranks 60th on a scale of penis sizes which tells me they must have done the survey when tommy lee was out of the country and two sets of parents found box cutters in McDonald's Happy Meals. Kids were like, great, better than Apple Wedges. And with that, the J.C. Quarkwood Podcast for Monday, June 19th, 2023 is in the can. We are here every weekday morning at 11 o'clock following the morning showgram on K-Wolf 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7 West and beyond and online at kwolf.com. That would be K-W-U-L-F.com. That's our music show. This is our talk show. You are covered. Have a great day. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.